Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is Sunday, May 8th on this Mother's Day Sunday. Uh, Richie's, th- this could have been his flu game, but he couldn't even get any voice out. I think he's got laryngitis or something. He said he has n- absolutely no voice. So you're, you're flying solo with me today, TJ Pittenger. And we've got Rising Spear COO Will Cohen on. Will, how's it going today? Great. How are you, TJ? I'm good. I'm good. You know, usually I prep people before they come on. And we did talk a lot off air, figured out technical stuff and everything else. But I didn't prep you very well. But um, we do ask everybody that comes on here the most important question of the show. is Like, are you a double fries guy when you're going through Guthrie's? Or like, what's the... Oh, absolutely. I got to have it all. I've only been, I'm a transplant from California. So the whole slaw and fried chicken thing is, it was relatively (laughs) new for me in the volume that we have it here in the beautiful Southern United States. But when I go, I go all in, you know, there's, there's no diet soda on that menu. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) The uh, yeah, the, the, the double fries, you got to get an extra sauce. If you've got that many carbs going on, because like that sauce is gone and, (laughs) <laughs> like three dunks, but um, good stuff. Double fries, no slaw brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. We appreciate their support. You guys can visit both their locations at 1818 West Tennessee and 2550 North Monroe. You're not wrong about that though. There's a chicken tender place like on every single corner <laughs> in the South. So it's no just like the burger stuff. Yeah. So from, from California, again, hard hitting questions first. Are you an in and out guy? A lot of people say in and out's overrated. Like, where, where do you fall on this argument? Okay, this is a, this is really interesting. So in California, doesn't matter how many in and outs there are. It's just like Chick Fil A here. The mm-hmm. drive through line is out on the street, mm. and it doesn't matter when and where. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it's good, but I'm not going to the point where I just crave. I'm not one of those that craves in and out. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. I would just assume make my own smash burger at home and, and uh, I'd be good. Yeah. We, uh, we tend to get it every time we go out there. Cause you, you know, you, we're just not going out to LA a ton. Sure. I did get it. I got it twice when I went out for the national championship. So I didn't pass it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like it, but yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's a burger. I do like that. They're, you know, and I don't know how the last two years have been for them. I do like how their prices are not insane. Like you go to Shake Shack or something and I'm feeding my family of four for like $50. I'm just like, yeah. you know, so I do like the in and out prices have remained. They keep it simple, right? It's, it's yeah. burgers and fries. They don't venture into chicken and they just, it's burgers, fries, and shakes. Um, you know, they do employ a lot of local people, not a lot of marketing and advertising. They don't really need it. So yeah. I just, I've had many, many players over the years that have worked for them, you know, the high school or Juco job. And they take good care of their people and they keep it super simple. So that's kind of the trick to the whole thing. And I have yeah. to say the animal fries are pretty good. That's where they dump the pink sauce and the onion Everything on it, yeah. and mustard and all that on the fries and melt it with cheese. So that's kind of good. I, I love that grilled onion on the burger too. So now yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Simple's simple's usually the way to do it. So now I'm starving. We're going to Mother's Day lunch here in a little bit and I'm ready to go. So if you guys are watching this, if you could do us a favor and share it, we would certainly appreciate that. Whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter, wherever, hit that share button, hit that retweet button and we'll we'll jump into it. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you, you talked about being from the West Coast, ended up at Florida State. For those that don't know, director of player development for, was it four years? Yes, um, under, under Coach Sue and Coach Brooke, which we absolutely love them and have had them both on the podcast several times. Um, talk to us about getting to, to Florida State, 
give the people a little bit of your background and then we'll kind of transition into some of the rising sphere stuff. Sure. Well, the first thing I would start with, with my background is if it wasn't for my high school coaches and mentors growing up, I don't know where I'd be right now, but definitely wouldn't be here. Uh, that to be said, in 1996, I got my first high school coaching stipend, $500 for JV football, offensive line, along with a defensive coordinator, then basketball season, baseball. So started coaching at that point in 96, became a high school teacher, and all those things were great. Along the lines, I had the opportunity to work for Pete Newell, who is as good as any teacher in the history of the game of basketball in his big man and tall women's camps. And that was really, really exciting to work alongside Ann Myers, Drysdale and other hall of famers. So that really jolted my basketball career, so to speak. Um, and then did a decade at Ventura community college as both head men's coach and AD. But that whole time from like 04 to 2018, I was working camp. And that's where Coach Sue and Brooke entered the picture. Maybe eight years ago or so, we connected through Ann Myers Drysdale about the potential of me coming out to Tallahassee and doing some work with the uh, phenomenal post players that Brooke and Sue had recruited over the last eight years. And that's kind of how the relationship started. Um, and then about 2018 is when there was kind of a changeover and a lot of Coach Sue's staff left with Lance to go to Pitt, blah, blah, blah. And there was an opportunity to create a full-time position for me to come in and really focus in on player development, uh, basketball analytics, and then bring some of that administrative background as an AD to the fundraising world and life skills for the players. Uh, so that's the Reader's Digest version of my background and how I got here. The interesting twist to all of it is we'll get into it, I'm sure, in a bit, is where the NIL portion entered a couple of years ago. Yeah, you were the um, you were on a committee. You were the, the head, right? Um, the chair right. NIL task force uh, for 2019 to 2021 as things started coming down the pike. Um, before we get into that, in 2019, 2020, did you have any idea that the NIL – I mean, I, I know you probably thought it would be crazy. But did you have any idea it would be this crazy in 2019, like when it was being introduced? A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> um, and so just, you know, the we were in the ACC championship game back in 2020, and three days later the world shuts down for COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when we really jumped into this committee. And the more you study and the more you talk to national experts – whether that be Gabe Feldman or, or any of the Altius guys across the country that really are doing a lot of this heavy consulting. Um, without question, we knew over a year before NIL even happened that all of this was possible without the necessary guardrails you're reading about today. So short answer is yes, and it happened. Yeah, no, it's been... It's been pretty nuts. We're almost a year into it. So um, you get a call, probably a couple of calls, and uh, Rising Spear offers you the COO position. You come over and are now leading several efforts there. Um, we've spoken a lot about Rising Spear on this show. I've done a lot of it on the, the FSU spaces that I do um, weekly. But wanted to kind of get you on to talk about Rising Spear in general and you ending up there. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about what makes Rising Spear different than a lot of our other, you know, NIL collectives that we may see across the country? Sure. What really makes Rising Spear different is one of the big reasons that I decided to do this because Rising Spear is driven by tax deductible donations from our fans, our boosters, our alumni, things of that nature. And 100% of the money that comes in goes back to the athletes. And that's really the driving force. And the second piece of that is we're set up in a way to support literally every program at Florida State through that mechanism. So there were a lot of conversations between myself, Michael Alford, as he was transitioning to the AD, and then, of course, Alan Flamenhoff and Bob Davis, our co-founders, as to this possibility. Because the Florida law never changed, uh, it would be very difficult for me to continue working with NIL for the school at Florida State because employees can't really get into the weeds and help the players out in any meaningful way. So that's kind of the impetus of why this was appealing. And basically Bob and Alan had such a great vision. And then with the spring game, over a thousand donors came in and now you got six figure revenue coming into rising Spear, soon to be seven figures. And the need was there basically to hire an administrator uh, to then make it all work as this money comes in. So that's really the reason for doing it. And we can jump into anything else you want from there as to uh, more specific questions. Yeah, no, there, there was a really big swell of support right around that spring game. And uh, it was encouraging to see. It's been really good. Obviously, the website was, was done then. Um, social media has been kind of on fire with it. There's been a good a kind of a ground swell of, you know, kind of crowdfunding and sourcing and, and people really being encouraged to contribute. One of the things you mentioned that I, I want to go a little bit deeper on is um, just the fact that a hundred percent of donations go directly to the players. Um, there's no middleman. There's no, Hey, we take 10% off the top for running things, which isn't even like we talked about before, isn't even inherently bad right? Like there are operating costs in anything, but none of that exists. And we're able to run Rising Spear and, and do that with a hundred percent of the dollars going back to the players. Um, are you, I, that's not the norm. That's not like, I, I've looked at the other collectives websites. I've, I've read a lot about it. Like that, that's not normal. And, and something that I think truly does separate that, but there's really only one way that, that happens. Obviously, you know, you have to get paid. There are travel expenses. There are different things that happen within any kind of organization. Um, and you mentioned Alan and Bob, and they really stepped up and, and really kind of took the bull by the horns. And I don't know how much, I don't know if they knew how much bull they were grabbing by the horns back in <laughs> late 2021. But uh, those two guys really are, are a lot of why we're able to do what we can do today, right? Right. They both had to resign from the Seminole Booster Board. Uh, in order to do this. And basically between them and our board of directors, they are absorbing those costs. So when the donations come in, we're able to route that money to the student athletes. Now, in the coming weeks, you're going to start to see some uh, really interesting collaborations with other vendors and partnerships we're working on nationally. So we will be able to create some passive income there that will help eventually get rising spears operating costs covered 
um, through national partnerships, but none of it will come out of the pockets of our donors. And that's the most important thing. Um, that would be the ultimate goal to be at least expense revenue neutral on operating costs, hopefully by uh, the end of the fall season. I think it's just such a strong statement. Like you said, I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with a company using, if they don't have the ability or, or can't, and they need to use donations as operating costs. I mean, I, I think that most, most nonprofits, most charities do that. But I think it's just so strong to be able to tell fans, hey, look, you give $10, that $10 is going, all of it is going to player. You give $10,000, that $10,000 is, is going to uh, student athletes and yeah. nowhere else. So well, I love that that aspect. Yeah, and a big point of that is our donation system has no benefits tied to it. So other not-for-profits will tie benefits and things back to donations, and we don't do any of that. So donations come in 100% tax deductible, go to the players. We soon will be launching our gold program, which is not tax deductible. And clearly that program will have some really cool five-star like events um, that certain uh, supporters that choose to donate, or actually not donate, but join in that level want to participate in. And I think at that point, everybody understands if you're going to a five-star wine pairing event with a keynote speaker and a musician and things of that nature, at some point in time, there is an expense with that. But also at that point in time, you're not giving a tax deductible donation. That's more of a membership that you would see as part of any sporting organization, whether it's NASCAR or Manchester United. That exists everywhere in the sports world, which is a lot different concept than donations uh, in a traditional sense to a charitable group, if that makes sense. Yeah. I want to dive a little bit into that, too, because... One of the, to me, one of the coolest things about Rising Spear and something that I think fans so much relate with. I mean, we're, we're all reminded of, of the great work that Dylan Gibbons has done through his charity. And I think, you know, things like that really move the needle more so than most others, right? Like when people can give back. And that's a massive part of Rising Spear, like you said, with the tax deductible and the non-for-profit side of things. Obviously, the gold side does exist, right? Some of that fan engagement, some of those events, some of that membership stuff. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not also, you know, I don't know every single NIL collective out there, right? I know the ones that are closest to us and here in the Southeast. Um, but I don't know of many that are doing what, what Bob and Alan have set up with. Uh, and and they, talk, they spoke with me about this, you know, back in December, right? So this was a passion of theirs. And it has been for six months and, and probably even before that. But what, what you guys are doing with the um, community service, the Boys and Girls Club, and, and using that to not only get the players paid, which is what we want to do. We want them to profit off their name, image, and likeness. And we want them to, as you, you said earlier, uh, off air, collect wealth. But to be able to do that and give back at the same time truly sets Rising Spirit apart from I, I again I don't know any that are doing it somebody will tag me in something today and I'll get you know 10,000 mentions about it but something that's really cool with that you guys are doing so speak to that a little bit right so the big picture view from 5,000 feet in the air is that every sport would be partnered with one or two charitable organizations or schools something of that nature and this isn't the quote-unquote community service 
all the athletes as part of their obligation to Florida State will continue doing community service. That's a couple hours here and there, the bed building, whatever those great events are. None of that's going away. But if you ask the beach volleyball team, for example, to put on 12 to 15 clinics a year for youth volleyball uh, young ladies in this community, they should be compensated for that much time. And that's kind of the the impetus there. And we've seen just, just the other day, we had uh, six football players that joined us at the Boys and Girls Club and really brightened those kids' day. It was a torrential downpour, but the kids were in the gym and they had a blast for an hour. So that's really the big picture is to brighten people's day in the community and get as much involvement as we can. Um, and you hit on another thing that's really important. For student athletes, they should really have two goals out of NIL. One of them is to accumulate wealth and the second one is to build their brand. And there's no better way to do those things than to tell your story. And that's how you really engage with the true fans and the boosters in this community, the season ticket holders, is by being unique, by being a little bit different, by having a great story to tell. And then you build that engagement and following through your brand, through your story, through your actions, um, not necessarily always having to be you know, for lack of better terms, posted up at a restaurant to hang out. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And again, nothing wrong with that. I mean, no. you know, I, I remember, I feel like, it, I don't even know if they did it last year, but I remember some of the coolest times was when FSU did fan day, right? Like, and you got to go get autographs and you got to do, you know, and I know COVID like has changed a lot of the way that these things happen. And a lot of this NIL has probably changed it. You know, I don't know that we hold fan day like that anymore, <laughs> but uh, you know, so there's nothing wrong with that there, you know, but the, just the aspect of giving back is, is, you know, coach Bowden was so much about it. Right. Um, coach Marvell talks about um, acts of service and kindness and, and things like that. And so I, I, I love that. Uh, I love that aspect of it. I love the way that, you know, that kind of happens and goes on. Um, we've got some other things coming up next, right? We've got some, some sports specific campaigns that should be kind of rolling out here you and I were watching the beach volleyball championship. Obviously they've been a ton of fun to watch and two games from, you know, potentially winning it all here today, but talk to us about some of the, some of the new and exciting stuff that we can kind of tease and let people know that's coming um, campaigns with market price, sports specific campaigns, just different things coming kind of on the horizon. Sure. Well, the biggest thing for me being on the job the last two weeks has been to really learn the landscape of both of a lot of our Olympic sports and a lot of things outside the world of football and basketball that obviously I'm most familiar with throughout my career, both as a coach and administrator, and really understanding the needs, particularly of a partial scholarship student athlete. For example, in a beach volleyball, there might be six or seven full scholarships divided amongst 20 of those players. So in that sense, NIL is going to be a great tool to help offset debt and do some great things for those young ladies and on down the line into a lot of other sports. So we got some technology coming in the next couple of weeks that's really going to help enhance the ability to create campaigns for those sports, push it out via text, email, and social, but also the artificial intelligence, the AI behind that technology where we're going to start to analyze 
the shopping trends and things of that nature and really target new donors that really care about beach volleyball or tennis or, or baseball or softball, whatever it may be, that aren't even on the radar at this point in time. So it's really exciting stuff coming in the next month. Yeah, which is awesome. I mean, so many people support, you know, I was, I had people over yesterday and I was watching the men's tennis upset UGA on my phone. And, you know, some, some people are like very, very passionate. Now, you know, most people are very passionate about football or basketball and I get that, you know, but some people are super diehard passionate about some of those other sports. And so being able to target those specifically and, and allow people that option again, I think rising spear, is very innovative in that way to be able to have things kind of direct where, where fans and, and um, seminal supporters can, can have those funds directed to wherever they want, right? Like there's, you know, you're not Venmo and a kid, but like you're, you're saying, Hey, I support this program. I want my funds to go here. I want this donation to go here again, innovative. I don't know that that exists with other platforms right. where they just kind of, you give us the money in the bucket, we'll send it all out, you know, where, where we prefer it. So I, I do like that a lot. Yeah. That's not the most transparent way to do business. And I think that's really important to be able to allocate it toward a team. And it's important to know, not necessarily a player uh, for someone that makes a donation, but to that end, we haven't talked much about businesses. We have a platform coming on board this month called market price where any business owner in the country can create a free account and engage directly with a Florida State player. So that's a much different mechanism. That is a way for a person to work one-on-one -on -one with the player of their choice. It's great technology. And another thing about it is there's no cost to the athlete, thanks to Alan and Bob, and there's no cost to the business to sign up and begin that communication. So that's really, really important that we have those things in place so that any business can sign up and uh, begin those communications with an athlete to endorse the business on social media, whether that's a sandwich shop or a barber shop, whatever it may be. Or a chicken tender spot. Yes, sir. <laughs> I've had, some, I've told Guthrie's, I've said like, Hey, you guys need to get in this game because you need to get somebody uh, over there. Uh, yeah. Putting down these double fries. So yes, sir. Um, cool. Well, um, Anything else we can, you know, I, I've, I've quizzed you a ton. Anything else we can talk about with, right? I, you know, we try to be thorough, but also, you know, obviously want to encourage people that if the, I, I try and tell people all the time, if you have questions, I'm more than happy to try and answer any questions based on my understanding. And then if you have further questions, there's a contact um, link on the website that you can reach out with more of your questions. But again, if, if you're not supporting, if you're not signed up, but you're a, a diehard Seminole, we certainly would encourage it. Um, 100% of donations go to the players, as we've mentioned. Um, but yeah, Will, anything else that we can kind of mention or bring up or chat about before we go? Yeah, and it's right on the right where you left off, TJ, is we need everybody that really wants to see Florida State succeed to get involved. If it's through your business and market price, reach out to us. We'll set it up. If you're able to donate money, of course, please do so. But even if you can't do either of those things, Reach out anyway, and there are ways that you could become an ambassador. And even if you can't make the donation yourself, possibly friends, family, people you work with that are passionate Seminole fans, we can get you uh, involved that way. So 
it's really a call to action that we need every, every single person to do something uh, to help move the needle in NIL. That would be the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It was, it was very encouraging when we saw the um, number of donors go up over 1,000. But it just, I was, I was chatting with Matthew. I said, okay, well, now it's, now it's time to hit 2,000. You know, and then from there, it'll be time to hit 2,500. From there, it'll be time to hit 5,000, you know. And so um, we, we put 85,000 people in that stadium. It's, it's time to, you know, to kind of continue to work and get that number up. So I'm excited with the different campaigns you've got going. I'm excited to see the platform continue to grow. And like I said, at the end of the day, see the kids kind of getting taken care of. Yeah, a couple, couple of things. One big shout out to Matt Quigley, K Camp, the Zimmerman Agency for everything they've been doing. Uh, for the last few months to really make everything you just said possible. Uh, and then thanks again, TJ, to you and your incredible team uh, for doing such a great job with uh, Double Fries on these podcasts. They're amazing. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. I'm sorry, Matt. You got me saying Matt now. Yeah, shout out to Matt, uh, Bob Allen, everybody that kind of makes this thing go. Uh, Will, thank you a ton for hanging out today, man. We really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. Have a great weekend. Take care, buddy. All right. Will Cohen, the COO of Rising Spear. Again, if you have not donated and you have questions, you're welcome to shoot me a message. You can shoot the show account a message, um, but want to want to encourage you to continue to support there. I also like, and he was on here. We didn't mention it, but I also really like that their um, platform very much encourages booster support. Not only do we want to take care of the players, but you know we want things like new facilities and the best of the best when it comes to coaches. And so we certainly encourage booster support too, but obviously showed a lot of, uh, a lot of love there. I want to welcome another guest to the show here. Um, Roberto Aguayo. Roberto, how's it going, my man? What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You're perfect. Go you came here. in like, you come in like mid show. And so we don't get like the time to like, do like the test behind and be like, I just hope this thing works. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> this is how we used to do uh, shows. We didn't like do a lot of setup in the past. So how are you doing, man? Thanks for hanging good. out. Good. No, thanks for having me. This is this is cool. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So um, <laughs> we we hit people with the hard hitting questions first. So wanted to ask you, I know this is going to be a tough one, so I don't mean to come out like swinging, but when you go through Guthrie's, I mean, like you're you're tossing the slaw out too, right? Like, yeah, double yeah, double fries, no slaw. Always, man. Always. Sure, cool. I haven't been to Guth in, in a long time, but um, good memories. Always, always double fries, no slaw. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't, can't do the coleslaw thing. <laughs> we, we'd already, we'd just be like, all right, well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. So, no, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting a little bit today. Wanted to, wanted to get a chance to talk with you a little bit about your career, a little bit about um, what you're doing now, and then you know we'll we'll let you get back to back to Mother's Day. We'll let yeah. you get back to to the day. But um, we'll start out like with your with your career. I don't know if if a lot of people. I don't know if you've talked about this a ton or if a lot, if you have told this story much. But how did you end up at Florida State? Like, um, you know, tell me about like the recruiting process and what that was like. So um, I started. Uh, I mean, I played Pop Warner when I was little. Um, and I really was, a, you know, only guy that could kick a football and um, for my team. And I played other positions, but it wasn't until I got to high school and my um, my high school coach wanted me to play for varsity my freshman year because the kick the senior kicker was going to stick to soccer. 
So I was like, all right. He's like, but I'm on, you're only going to be the kicker. So I was kind of bummed that I couldn't play any other positions, but he's like, you're very, very talented, whatever. So played that season, did well. And then the next year, uh, that summer, I went to my first camp and it was uh, down here in West Palm. And uh, the number one kicker in the country was at that camp. And it was Cody Parkey, who mm. is, was committed to Auburn. And I remember coming, this is my first camp. I had never been, you know, in any camp or anything. So I'm, I'm telling my dad, I'm like, dad, that's Cody Parkey. Like, that's the number one kicker in the country. Like, the best. And he's committed to Auburn. He had, like, his Auburn bag. I'm pretty sure, like, he was, you know, decked out. So we, we go through the camp, me and him end up battling out at the end for um, the kick, uh, huge kickoff leg, right? So he hits an 80-yard kickoff, and he's a, a junior going to be a senior, and I'm a freshman going to be a sophomore. And I hit a 79-yard kickoff. Mm. And, and all the guys are like, oh, dude, where are you committed? Like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, this is my first camp, guys. Like, I, I didn't, <laughs> like I'm, just, I'm just here, you know what I mean? I'm like – and so after that, they're like, dude, you're going to be like, you're going to go D1. Like you have a huge leg, whatever. So after that, the, the guy invited me to the National Scholarship Camp, which they, they go around the country and host these camps in uh, you know, cities. And they invite the best of the best to come to this national. It's called the National Scholarship Camp for Coles. And it's about, you know, 500 kickers from across the country. And you um, basically chart, compete, and then they rank you. And I went there in that July, like two, uh, three months later, and I came back the number one kicker in the country for the 2012 class. So that's when I was like, okay, life's changing. Like, you know, <laughs> all the recruiting uh, letters started coming in. Um, I started getting everything SEC, ACC, um, Pac-12. Pac um, and, you know, I always wanted to go to Florida State. I was a Seminole fan all my life. Um, but obviously Dustin was there and, you know, you don't know if they're going to recruit your year or, you know, what's going to happen. So I ended up going to the, um, the Florida state kicking camp in 2010. And I won most valuable, uh, player at that camp. And coach Fisher was there. Coach Eddie Grant was there. Um, and that's when the, the, the recruitment started for, for me, and at the end of the, at the end, that, um, that was the beginning going into my junior year. And at the end, they were like, it's between you and Marshall Morgan. Um, and then in January, uh, they offered me and they're, you know, we're going to take you. Um, and I committed on the spot. And after that, you know, other schools wanted to offer Florida, wanted to offer um, a couple others. And my coach was like, I got to tell, like, are you are you open? Like, is it just a soft commit, like a verbal like? And I'm like, no, like I've always wanted to be, go to Florida State. Coach Fisher, you know, gave me the opportunity for like that to be my first offer. Like I'm solid Florida State. I don't want to go anywhere else. So that's kind of how the whole recruiting process went for me. Yeah, I love to hear that you were like solid, committed, like. Yeah. You got your dream offer. You were you were you were set. Yeah, and all these guys now are like, "Oh, I'm a diehard FSU fan." I'm not gonna say any names, but like diehard FSU. Fan. <laughs> and at the end of the day, they just flip, and you're just like, "All right, bro." Like, how how you know? 
you weren't that diehard. Yeah. <laughs> I need some Derwins that are getting tattoos, right. bro. That's what yeah. I need. <laughs> exactly. like, make, yeah. Make, are you really committed, you know? So um, 2013, um, national championship year, Luke Rosa year. Um, was it was it weird? Like, I went back and, like, looked at your kicks. And so, like, outside of, like, the national championship, was it weird, like, Okay, I don't, I don't, I almost just add this, asked this poorly, but like there wasn't as much pressure on you in that 2013 year, right? Like a lot of extra points. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. a ton of extra points. Um, but I think I, we played in 14 games that year. I believe if I did the numbers correctly, you as the kicker outscored like eight of the 13 teams we played that year, like something yeah. ridiculous like that. Like yeah. that's dumb. Like that's not, yeah. you know, like, was it weird, like, not having as much pressure, like, in those kicks? Or do you always put that pressure on yourself? Or, like, how's that work in 2013? Um, I mean, that's a good – that's a good um, read by you, you know? Like, uh, it's um, – to me, there was pressure going in, um, you know, taking taking over uh, um, uh, Dustin. And um, so, you know, everyone was like, oh, you're going to rock the gold shoes. You're going to do all that. And I was like, no, you know, I have to create my own legacy here. And um, but there was pressure. But at the end of the day, I mean, we would be up by like 40, you know, 50. <laughs> um, but every kick counted for me. Right. So, you know, I wanted to win the Groza. I wanted to, you know, break records. So every opportunity I had, I, you know, I, you know, wanted to make. But I mean, some some of those some of those kicks early on, if I miss in the second quarter, you know, it might change, you know, the, the trajectory of the game. You never know, right? Quiet. You never know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was that national championship game. I, I, I really didn't feel any pressure through, throughout the whole year. So. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, 20, um, 2014, you kicked, I believe your first game winner in college and it was that BC game if I'm remembering it correctly. Yep. Um, yep. And we, kind of a weird week. Obviously, the shooting had happened earlier that week. That day was just weird because of what had happened earlier in the week. It was rainy. It was nasty. You know, kind of classic 2014 FSU where we yep. probably should have won that game kind of going away. It didn't. But you ended up hitting the game winner. It wasn't super yep. long. So, again, I don't, I don't know if there was a lot of pressure. You know, if there was a ton of pressure that had put on you there. But, obviously, Jameis drove us down and, and set us up pretty well there. Um, but, uh, was that pretty, you know, to actually like say like, all right, I'm going to walk this thing off. Oh yeah. I mean, I hadn't kicked kicked the game winner. Um, so I remember when, when we started the drive, you, you're all, you know, you're ready to, whether it's going to be a 55 yarder or, you know, you're just telling, you're just hoping they drive it down as close as you can to, to make it easier. Right. And it ended up being, I think like a 28 yarder. Um, but Honestly, you can't you can't look at those kicks like you know inside the twenty. I mean, we all remember Blair Walsh in that playoff game. He missed a, a twenty-seven wow. yarder to, to you know to take. I don't know if it was to the <clears throat> to the championship game or the the uh, Super Bowl, but you can't take those for granted. You can't walk out there and be like, "Oh, this is a chip shot," and then you don't lock in, you don't focus, and then you miss, and then you walk off like, "Oh, I just missed a, a, a chip shot." So yeah. you put the same focus in and. Um, you know, thankfully that the offense and Jameis drove it down there close and, you know, made it. And uh, Hey, 
a 20 yarder game winner and a 50 yard <laughs> game winner are the same thing, right? So you put your yeah. team up. So wins a win. I don't know if you, and so this is one of my, this is probably my favorite kick of yours for like the worst reason. Actually, the, the 2014 one against Miami, it was like 50 yard. Like Ooh, that man. one's, that one's up there for sure. 2015. I don't know if you realize this, but I literally like tweet this every year when it comes back around. But you know, you hit another game winner in 2015 when you kicked in the second quarter a field goal against Florida because we scored three there and then they only ended up scoring two for the rest of the game. Yeah. And so you think about it like that, like you kicked another game winner there. See, those are, I mean, those <laughs> are the ones that I'm telling you, like you never you know, know what can happen, right? That, that field goal can put you up and then they, yeah. I mean, shoot, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I missed that. They get, they go ahead, they get momentum and it yeah. was in Gainesville, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else that kind of like stand, like during your college career, obviously winning the girls and win the national championship. I, we talked about some of the highlights, but do you have any other, anything else that like kind of stands out? Anything you kind of think of? Um, I, I mean, winning a lot of games. <laughs> we were good, man. Yeah. You, I like mean, I said, our kicker outscored like eight of the teams we played, bro. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but like just looking back, the 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 camaraderie we had, the 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 bond we had, um, you real you don't realize it until you're gone and then you you're on other teams or you look at you know where Florida State was, you know, after those years. And it's just it's it's hard to win. It's hard to put it all together for one year. Um, you know, I don't know how Bama finds a way to, to do it year in and year out, but like, it's hard. Um, and after that 13 year, I was like, oh, we're just going to do it again in 14. We're just going to do it again in 15. Um, but we saw, I mean, everyone saw how hard that 14 season was where we were coming back from games like that Louisville game. We were down like 21 um, and we were just grinding it out. But I mean, just that you know making lifelong friends um going out you know having fun you know after winning um but yeah yeah that's awesome what uh talk just a little about what you're i won't skip over this we don't have to go super deep into it but did you i mean i know that like you you're you know kids are gonna dream and be like but did you ever think you'd have your name called on the second day of the nfl draft like how cool was that to like go that early that it was cool and before like leading up to the days before um my agent was like um we're hearing anywhere from the second to the fourth round so i kind of already had an idea um (laughs) honestly like i did think about like how crazy would it be if i like got called on day one obviously like Mm -hmm. those are like high high hopes but the thought crossed my mind like leading up like you know, we uh, watched it, um, you know, the first day we watched it and I was just like, you know, it's probably not going to happen. But like if it did, like how crazy would that be? Because Sebastian went in the first round back in 2000. So it's happened before. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I was like, I'm probably going to go day two. I think I went and golfed on on that first day, that first round. I didn't really, you know, wasn't really I really didn't want to like focus on it too much. Uh, Cause then you start thinking like, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to this team? Am I going to be, you know, here? I was just like, God has a plan. We'll see where I go. And then that second day comes around and then 
you know, my phone it isn't really getting service inside the uh, the house we were at, so I had to put it out on the balcony. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, God forbid, like I don't get service. Like they call me, they're like, why isn't he answering? And then like, <laughs> like my mom started freaking out. Like she she called me, and my phone starts ringing. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to get paid. And I'm like, and it's my mom, and I'm like, mom, why are you calling me? And she's like, making sure the phone works. <laughs> um, but no after that i put it down and then probably like 20 minutes later my phone starts ringing and i go and it's a it's a tampa area code or it's a it just says tampa 813 number and i was like tampa and he you know i get on the phone and um it's coach cutter and he's like hey man we're we're, we're about to trade up to, to get you at 59 and this was like around 50 they were at like the 55th pick maybe so had the conversation spoke to dirk um spoke to uh jason light you know we're gonna they're like we're we're trading up i think it was like the steelers i don't know they traded up we're gonna pick you at 59 we're excited to have you blah 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 so after that i got you know i got to see a couple other picks and then i got to see when you know they go up and they're like, oh, the Bucks have made a trade. They're trading up. Mm. You know, the pick is in. So I got to see all that, which is cool. Uh, but, I mean, it all happened. So I, I don't even remember what they told me on the phone. I was just, you just like black out and you're just like, what? Like, and then after, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And, like, everyone just blows up your phone. And But it was great, man. It, it I mean, no one can take that away from me. I'll always be able to say, you know, I was a, a second-round pick um, as a kicker. To be honest, um, it, it was a blessing and a curse. Um, I want to write a book one day and, and kind of, you know, go into detail, you know, everything. And, and, and now looking back, um, you know, everything that's happened with it. Um, I don't I don't I don't I wouldn't go back and change anything because um, it's all, you know, made me who I am today. But, yeah, I mean, I'll always be able to tell my kids, hey, all the hard work I put in college, I did there uh, came to fruition um, that day. I <laughs> During, it was a couple weeks ago, but seven years ago is when I got drafted. So time flies. Yeah, no doubt. Do you think um, – was it was it cool to get drafted by Tampa, like with Jameis there? Like, do you think he was, like, petitioning for you? Like, I don't know if they give, like, a second-year quarterback, like, all of it. But, like, do you think he was like, dude, get my guy. Like, let's go. <laughs> well, to be honest, like, I, I didn't – Tampa never, never talked to me uh, leading up to the draft. The only time they they asked for anything was at pro day when the special teams coach pulled me up to the side and said, hey, I want you to kick like three on sides. And I kicked three on sides. He's like, all right, cool. Like, you know, see ya. So I was like, all right, well, that was weird. But um, some other teams talked to me more. But, Tam but, you know, my agent was like, hey, there's teams that won't speak to you or won't you know, like at pro day or at the combine, cause they don't want other teams to see like they're interested in you. And for, t you know, you always look at like the guys that, you know, maybe are older or are struggling or, and they had Connor Barth with, which Connor Barth wasn't having, you know, wasn't a terrible kicker and uh, he wasn't old by any means. So I never thought like the bucks might be a chance so when they called my name, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, they had Jameis, um, but I was like, "Well, they have Connor Barth. They're they're not they're not going to switch." But man, a lot of crazy things can happen on draft day. You you you, you don't know until you're picked. So um, 
it, it was it was kind of a shock, but it was at it was pretty cool being back with Jameis um, and uh, and staying in the state of Florida. It was it was great because there there's times where you're like, man, what if I go to Buffalo or New York or like, <laughs> yeah, you know, some cold place? Because uh, like in college, you get to choose where you want to go, right? Like you, you get recruited, but you get at the end of the day, you pick. But here they pick you, so you don't know where you're gonna go. Yeah. Post NFL, um, you have a couple of things going on now that I want to kind of chime on and chat on. Um, the Roberto Aguayo, ki- Roberto Aguayo kicking camp. Um, kicking Academy, yep. Kicking Academy, yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? So, you know, back in, I want to say 2019, um, I had a lot of parents down here um, asking me for, you know, to train their their kids. You know, hey, can you, can you teach them? So... I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll create a, you know, my own LLC, you know, my own academy and kind of teach kids um, and help them at the same time, you know, benefits me and what I've learned. And, you know, I started that process and then that was kind of, it was kind of like, you know, fall 2019. And then I taught a couple kids here in, in, in South Florida and then up in central Florida. Um, and then COVID hit that next March. So, you know, people weren't going out, fields were closed, everything. So that kind of put a damper on it. Um, but since uh, when I got released by the Patriots, I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to start putting, you know, thought more thought into it, you know. And kind of what what my philosophy is with the academy is physical, mental and emotional uh, knowledge in the game, because as a kicker, it's not just about, oh, I can kick a 60-yard field goal. Nowadays, you know, 10 years ago, there was nothing on social media. I mean, Twitter had barely come out. There wasn't Instagram. So now you miss a kick in practice. Like, there's cameras on you in college. There's cameras on you in the NFL. And if you aren't prepared the right way uh, emotionally and mental, mentally – you know, it doesn't matter how good you are physically, you, you need all those three things to succeed. So I want to, I want to teach what I've learned through my career and, and what I've learned from other great kickers, from other great uh, uh, success coaches, from other great uh, uh, coaches in general, teammates um, that I feel will help kids succeed and pass that to the, to the next generation. And to me, I'm not like, oh, you know, I want to, you know, grow this academy and have it be, you know, another Coles or Chris Saylor. No, like I want, you know, quality one-on-one, like relationships, small group sessions, you know, I'll do a, you know, a big camp maybe once, twice a year. Uh, You know, I did one last year in Tallahassee um, and really genuinely like help the kids, like not have them be just a number you know, really know their name, get, you know, kind of like a, like a, like a Butch Harmon or a Hank Haney where, you know, they can come down here, stay, you know, a weekend, you know, I got a guy down here that's, that flew down here this weekend from New Jersey. Um, And he's coming down here. We had a, we had a dinner Friday night. We had a training yesterday and we're gonna have another training today with a couple other kickers. So um, it's cool to be able to pass on that knowledge and and pass on um, something, a lot of things that other, other, you know, kicking coaches or these academies, you know, that haven't, that haven't, um, they don't teach that. They just teach, Oh, let's go chart. Let's go kick. Cool. Um, these kids need to know that. And it's good to, to pass that on. 
Yeah, no doubt. That's not the only thing you're doing. Working a little bit with ESPN, ACC, FSU. Um, yeah. Doing so. I know you covered FSU's pro day. We've had Ari yeah. on here. Also, I just sent this to my boy Daniel. I know you and Glosser are close. So really, um, yeah, yeah. Daniel's my boy, man. Like we we both have kids around the same age and stuff. And he's a wild Glosser's man. But man, yeah, yeah. I got him he's... tickets to the uh, to the spring game, and I saw him down there or up there uh, for the spring game. Yeah. But He's I was awesome. I was I was working. <laughs> yeah, you so yeah, so you're yeah. you're working doing some some broadcast, some commentary. Yeah. Like is is broadcasting commentary, is that like a passion or is that something so, you so always that, wanted to do? I, I I dabbled in it. I was gonna see if I could do it back in 2019, um, you know, transitioning from the NFL. Um, and I I'm I, I like talking, I like speaking, and I thought, you know, and so I that's when I met Aria and then I shadowed some games, um, uh, basketball games and uh, uh, football games. And I got to see the ropes, right? And they were like, whenever we have an opportunity, we'll let you know. And I was going to see if there was opportunities down here, but everyone's like, hey, we need tape. We need to see you, if you know, how you are on camera. And I didn't have any tape. So it kind of like died down. And then like a couple months ago, Aria reached out and he was like, hey, man, we want another uh, analyst to cover uh pro day and we thought about you would you want to do it and i was like sign me up <laughs> so that was my first gig they brought me down to do be the in-game host for the spring game which that was cool i was out there interviewing uh people in the tail at the tailgate you know talking to them so you know they're going to bring me down uh in the fall for more for more stuff um which i enjoy it um you know i like talking football and uh, that's kind of something I do on the side, too. And uh, and I enjoy it. And uh, I enjoy talking to FSU fans and just talking football in general. Yeah. There's a need for a radio guy now, I hear, up in Tallahassee. So really? I don't know, I don't know if they're – yeah, like I heard some, one of the big radio oh, guys. Oh, oh, just, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gene retired. Um, it ain't going to be me. <laughs> ain't gonna, I can tell you that, dude. Um, oh, but uh yeah we'll see what what happens in the fall i'll definitely be back up there um but no i got a i got i got that going i got the academy going um and i'm back in in finance um down here in, in palm beach so that's that's like kind of my main gig um at the private bank here down uh with jp morgan in uh, in palm beach and uh and uh helping um uh the global sports and entertainment side right helping athletes um um, that are getting drafted uh you know professionally whether it be golf football and kind of showing them um what it is because you know i went through that right i got drafted high and you know some of these guys that get drafted high they don't understand the whole the the money part right and it's not only about like taking care of it but like showing them how it's done and and being as an athlete that went through that um, I, I enjoy passing that on to, to other athletes and, uh, that's what I'm doing. So I have a lot of ventures going, a lot of, a lot of things up the pipeline. So I'm excited to get back up to FSU, uh, in the fall and, uh, and cover some other things. So heck yeah. yeah. Well, we appreciate you just taking a few minutes and chatting, man. Wanted to catch up with you. Wanted to chat about some of the old times, some of what you're yeah. doing now and, and get a connect, but it's really yeah. awesome to, it was also, you know, we just grow big fans. I speak yeah. for Richie who, is out today just laryngitis or something has no voice but uh he's like hey i got no voice so i was like hey well, i'm not rescheduling this so yeah. it is what it is man but uh no we just grew up big fans and we really appreciated it and, and loved watching you when you were at florida state and so it's cool to see you back around and doing some some pretty yeah. neat stuff so it's a lot of fun to watch for sure 
Thanks, man. Yeah, whenever you want me on the get uh, as a guest, I'm I'm happy to come on. If I'm in Tallahassee, you do a live show. I'd be happy to to swing by. Um, I'm excited for for FSU football with Coach Norvell. Um, he's doing yeah. a lot of great things. Um, you know, I've met with him, and and he's has the right mentality. Um, he's kind of similar to Coach Fisher, um, and Coach Fisher was a, a great coach. Um, and he's he's doing his thing out there at AM. Um, but yeah, Norvell, Coach Norvell is going to be down here actually next week. Uh, you know, on his booster uh, tour, um, so I'll be able to see him. And uh, there's a lot of FSU guys down here in South Florida, um, or in Palm Beach County, but. Um, but yeah, man, and and next time I go to Tallahassee, I make sure I'm gonna get a guth box. Double Absolutely, box. bro. It's been yeah. too long. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been too long. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. No, I feel like Florida State is definitely trending back the right way for sure. So DJ. Um hey, hey, I got a, a Lou Groza award winning snapper. Dumar. <laughs> What's up, my man? All right. Um, I'm surprised you're awake this early. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Yeah, it's, Mother's Day. it's Mother's Day. All right, go kiss your mom, Phil. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. man. Well, we appreciate you. That's hilarious. The <laughs> two bars just popping up in the background. When you said you were in Palm Beach, I was just like, oh, okay. Well, like, you know, that's not too yeah. far from Phil for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Here he goes popping up on the background. He's the man. So. He's the man. Good stuff. That's well, we appreciate it, man. And we appreciate you for hanging out for a few minutes, bro. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, buddy. All right, TJ. Thanks. All right. Roberto Aguayo, 2013 national champion, Lou Groza award winner. We said second round NFL draft pick, doing some work on the side right now with uh, uh, ESPN, covering pro day for FSU. So that was cool. Um, man, I'll go around the horn real quick. We interviews kind of like took up the uh, took up the bulk of the episode. We didn't dive super deep into football or anything like that, but we will. When Richie gets back, I want to get his takes on a couple of different things. Beach Volleyball plays two today. UCLA, if they win that, they go up against USC in the national championship. Softball won the first game of the series. They're playing game three right now, and then they finish up the rest of game two later. Um, game three happened first because it was already scheduled to be on the ACC network, so I had to kind of play them in reverse order. Kind of weird, but all good. Men's tennis won a massive game yesterday against UGA. They were down a break twice, but found a way to come back and win. They're in the Sweet 16. Women's tennis takes on UF today for a spot in the Sweet 16 as well. Baseball even up their series at 1-1. They'll go for the win today against BC. They play UF in the midweek. Women's golf starts the Tallahassee Regional tomorrow through Wednesday. And track and field compete at the ACC Championships this upcoming weekend. Softball also competes at the ACC Championships this upcoming weekend. Um Track and field, both men and women won the ACC last year, so they're looking to repeat. I'm out of breath. I don't have anything else left, but if you missed any part of the the beginning of the episode, go back and watch it. We had Will Cohen on, who is Rising Spears COO. Really, really good information there on that NIL collective that benefits Florida State student-athletes. Um, follow us on all social media. It's Double Fries Pod everywhere. We appreciate those that tune in, those that support, and Again, shout out to Guthrie's, shout out to Garnet Gold. Um, you can use code NOSLAW, capital N-O-S-L-A-W, to get 15% off of your order at garnetandgold.com. If you're in Tallahassee, you can order online and go pick up your order there. Don't order from Fanatics. Don't order from Alumni Hall. Those are run by rivals. You should order from Garnet and Gold, family-owned and operated for uh, since the 70s. Appreciate their support. Appreciate Guthrie's. We'll be back next week. Richie, hopefully, will have a voice then. 
We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Go Knowles.